You are listening to The Invisible, a podcast where I, Sarah Wingrove, and I, Sean Williams, will be discussing the representation in film, television and visual media of queer women and non-binary people. Join us each episode where we'll be covering a new topic and introducing each other and you, our listeners, to examples from across genres, languages and spectrums of identity. Now, let's get visible. And we're live. I'm going to admit straight at the top that if I had any homework from last episode, I've forgotten. <laughs> yeah, I totally haven't done any homework. Um, I think your homework was what are our roller derby names, but I didn't come up oh. with one because I just I was too attached to my porn name to change, <laughs> to change my name again. <laughs> oh no, I um, this week has been a little bit wild, um, and it's only Wednesday, yeah. which is fun. Um, I came off furlough at the weekend and I'm now back at work, which is, um, something. How's it going? (laughs) It's, yeah, uh, without, I don't want to talk about it too much just in case anyone from work listens. I mean, I know two people from, no, three people from work listen, which is nice. So thank you. Um, Shout out. Yeah. Shout out to Helen and Frankie and Imogen. So thank you. Um, Thank you for listening, guys. Yeah, um, but yeah, just in case, like, I don't know, um, yeah, it's it's fine, um, I kind of wish more people wore masks, but <laughs> mm, yeah, you can't force them, so. Are you wearing a mask? Oh, yeah. Have you oh, got, yeah. like, a special mask? Is it, like, a pattern, or? Yeah, I've got a couple, actually, I had one arrive yesterday that's got bats on it. Oh, lovely. <laughs> that's <laughs> um, I really love. Ironic. In what way? The mask got bats on it. That's where um, the virus stemmed from. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, no, it didn't. Oh, it did, didn't it? Yeah. I didn't even think about that. Oh, my God. <laughs> Whoops. Okay. I, I was just that. trying to be a little bit goth. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Okay. That's so good. Oh, no. Okay. I hadn't even thought about that. Did you get one with pigs on as well? Pigs and bats. Was it pigs as well? Was it just bats? I can't remember. I don't know. It was a wet, well, it was a wet market or, oh. well, either a wet market or um, genetically modified. Who knows? We'll oh, never know. No. I am a little <laughs> bit aghast at myself right now. <laughs> no, it's funny. Yeah. Um, I, I did that. have a bit of a small victory, though, already at work. So, mm-hmm. obviously, it's still, um, it's still Pride Month. And yep. I managed to put a big LGBT plus teen section in. And my nice. manager has consented to me have to me putting up both an LGBT flag and a trans flag on said display, so J.K. Rowling can suck it. In that's cool. <laughs> quite honestly, yeah, I'm really pleased. Um, Should wrap a, pro- a trans flag round the Harry Potter collection. Oh my god, yeah, we have we have an entire Harry Potter section. Like not just yeah. not as in just a section on the shelves, but like a literal like bay that is just harry potter merchandise everything yeah there's Um, loads of it isn't there i can't keep i can't keep up with all the different harry potters no no same like it got to like the fantastic beast and where to find them and i was like i'm out i quit (laughs) (laughs) i'm happy with what i've got (laughs) i'll just read fan fiction (laughs) yeah no um i haven't got quite such a big news segment at the top of this episode as we did last time um but like we said in the last episode black lives still matter 
It doesn't just go mm-hmm. away. Um, and if you can donate or use your time to support groups working for black liberation, and to be honest, for LGBT liberation and women's liberation as well, then I urge you to do so. Um, Pink News, I don't know whether you saw this, Sean. they reported yesterday that there's to be a trans rights protest in London in response to what they refer to as the UK bathroom bill, uh, which the Prime Minister Boris Johnson and the Equalities Minister Liz Truss are said to be proposing instead of reform to the 2004 uh, Gender Recognition Act. It's pretty scary stuff, to be honest, because if it goes through, there would be so much more gendered policing of spaces such as toilets, changing rooms, and even, like, um, shelters, so homeless shelters and... um, like domestic abuse shelters as well um and even as a like i'm a cisgender woman who often presents in a gender non-conforming way i've experienced that policing and it's frustrating and scary for me i can't imagine what the trans community and like trans people must be feeling right now (laughs) so if it's affecting me then it's like it's going to be affecting a whole host of people in even worse ways Oh, on a less serious note, how have you been since the last episode? And have you watched anything that caught your eye? Um, <laughs> I've been I've been up and down. I'm not going to lie. Um, mm-hmm. Lockdown is a journey, <laughs> mm. as I've just said. Um, I've been excited to record this, um, and I think really briefly, I'm just going to mention uh, for everyone listening, as you probably know, we've got a guest speaker on later on in the show. Uh, we're interviewing Rebecca Shorthall. So yeah, that'll be super exciting. exciting. Yeah. Really exciting. Um, but yeah, no, I've been actually uh, watching. So I finished Killing Eve. And now uh-huh. me. So I said to Abby um, that she doesn't qualify as a lesbian until she's watched all of the L words, season one to six, and then she gets uh. her, les- her lesbian card. So, <laughs> and she was like, are you actually going to make her a lesbian card? Y- yeah, that's a good idea, maybe. <gasps> like a little certificate, like graduation, oh, no. graduation ceremony. Ah. <laughs> she was like, are you saying I'm not a lesbian, even though I live, I'm living with a woman and I'm marrying a woman? I was like, no, sorry, you're only 80% lesbian. You need to watch the L word. <laughs> <laughs> so we've been watching the L word. We've just finished season one and we're on season two. It's so vintage now. I love it. It's literally so vintage because I've, when I've watched it back before, because I've watched it a number of times, obviously because yeah. I'm a big old lesbian. Um, I've I've kind of watched it back and cringed, but this time mm. I watched it back and I was like, it's actually kind of got a charm now. It's got that old. It's got that old that it's actually got a charm. Um, so yeah, I was like, and the fa- even the fashion. Because <laughs> it's what it started in. Did it start in two thousand seven? Uh, two thousand four. Two thousand four. Oh yeah, it went two thousand four to two thousand seven. Am I right? 2004 to 2009, I think. Oh, my God. Okay, ignore me. My dates are wrong. (laughs) (laughs) I know this because I started school in 2004 and I left school in 2009. So it kind of went up with my age. Ah. And I remember watching it in secret. But only only like the last episodes because I was like in year 11 and I think I figured out, oh, my God, L word's a thing. Like, what is this lesbian thing? So I'd watch it in secret, like um, the episode. I don't know why I watched it in secret, but I did (laughs) because I felt naughty. (laughs) um, I don't know when I watched... I think I was in university by the time I watched The L Word. I think. But I watched Lip Service before I went to uni. Yeah, I watched Lip Service after L Word. Yeah, I can't remember. I think I watched The L Word... No. Yeah, I watched Lip Service first because my lovely big sister... I can't remember whether I've mentioned this on the podcast before. My lovely big sister traumatised me (laughs) by sitting me down... 
to watch Lips, the first episode of Lip Service, which is a BBC series, isn't it? It's yeah. BBC Scotland. Um, sat me down. Uh, yeah, I was 16 when I watched it, I remember. And she sat me down with her and her wife to watch the first episode of Lip Service. The very first scene is, is two women having sex. How old were you, like, sorry? I was 16. <laughs> and they were, like, very, like... Not super explicitly, but it was very evident that there were two women having sex. And I had only just realised that I was kind of gay and it was like, oh, oh, this is a lot. <laughs> I was going to say, was this like your lesbian awakening? No, this was after I'd had the the, the queer awakening. Oh, okay. but, but it was like um, near, near the time? Or... Yeah, um, it was, I think it was quite soon after I told my sister, like I'd come out to my sister and she was like, ah, oh, cool. You, me and my wife can sit down and watch this together <laughs> no 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 absolutely not hate that <laughs> I, love, I love that that's brilliant <laughs> they are oh, they still have the whole dvd collection yeah i had the whole l word box set i don't have lip service but i had the whole of like all series one to six and over the years different girlfriends have like borrowed different series and now i don't have any so we're having to order <gasps> them from the beginning <laughs> No, that's so sad. I know. That's so sad. I would not... The I think the only thing that I've given away to an ex, a now ex-girlfriend that I really regret is I gave my very first girlfriend a pair of, like, weights that I had. Like, little... They were from, you know, like, the clothing brand Pineapple. That's such a lesbian Pineapple. thing to give away. <laughs> yeah, you know the clothing brand Pineapple? They were from yeah. that. They were bright pink weights. Yeah. <laughs> Because I'd been given them as a Christmas present, and I don't. And my girlfriend at the time was like, "Oh, I want to get buff, but I can't afford these." So I was like, "Oh, well, I don't use these, so you can have them." I love that. And then I never got them back from her, and I'm very angry about it. Were you Were you bodybuilding? No, I wasn't. I was <laughs> the opposite of bodybuilding. <laughs> So I guess for my section today, I briefly wanted to discuss um, sort of a bit of what I noticed as being a little bit of a shift from queer women and non-binary people being laughed at in film and television to being laughed with. So that sort of element of comedy that they're not just the butt of the joke, but they're actually the ones making the jokes. Um, So I'm going to try and not got... I can't talk today. I'll try again. <laughs> so I'll try not to go too film history student on you, but mm-hmm. I'll just give a little bit of context to what I want to talk about. So in the USA, the MPAA, which is the Motion Picture Association of America, implemented the Motion Picture Production Code, or it's commonly known as the Hayes Code, in 1930. This was a piece of censorship that seriously affected the ability for filmmakers to include queer content explicitly in their work. Um, And it didn't just affect the USA, though, as filmmakers across the world would need to have their films adhere to this censorship for their films to be distributed in the US, which was a massive market at the time, and obviously still is. Uh, Hollywood is very big. Uh, (laughs) Anyway... (laughs) The two examples from the 20th century that really stick out to me as being sort of examples where queer women are being laughed at um, were both... They're both made after the Hayes Code, was which was replaced in 1966, 
but I think it was certainly influenced by the effects of the censorship and the intention of not presenting LGBT plus characters in a positive light. So the first film that I wanted to mention was The Killing of Sister George, directed by Robert Aldrich in 1968. Um, In this, June George Buckridge is starting to lose control both over her work as a soap actress and over her younger lover, Childie. So George is depicted as quite a... She's quite gruesome, she's quite crude and generally not a very nice character. Like this... Like she was one of the first, like, openly lesbian characters in British film. Um, And certainly, like, one of the first to come out after the Hayes Code um, was replaced. Um, But there's there's this scene that really sticks out to me of... um, There's a scene that was actually filmed in a real lesbian bar, which is called The Gateways, um, where the characters of George and Childie perform a Laurel and Hardy set to a room of other queer women. Like, they're both in drag... Um, and like it's so hot in the club that their makeup's starting to run, they don't look very good really, it's very rough and there's always this lingering sense throughout the scene that the cringy performance that they're doing isn't like, the viewer isn't laughing with them, like they're not laughing at the set but they're laughing at these two women who are trying to pretend to be men and they're doing a really bad job of it Um, so it's definitely not, I don't really think, despite the fact that there were quite a lot of queer women as extras in this film, particularly because of this scene, the film wasn't made with queer women in mind whatsoever. Um, at the end of the film, having been left by Childie for a television producer, George sits alone on a TV set, um... Basically, she's lost her job and she's been told that the only job that she can get in television at this point is to be the voice of a puppet cow. And as the... A a, a a puppet cow. Right. So she goes from having, like, this lead role in this television soap to being a a puppet cow. (laughs) Okay. And as the credits roll, she starts mooing. Oh. And it's just, it's, oh, it's so, like, as a queer woman, it's really, really hard to watch. Yeah, it's, it sounds a bit it's odd. it's so, like, it's a dark comedy, but it's just mm. so, I don't know, as a queer woman, I find it more upsetting. <laughs> like, mm. I don't find it funny at all. I haven't seen it. Yeah, it's... I, I've not seen it, but I've heard a lot of, I've heard a lot about yeah. it, especially in its butch portrayal, and it's yes. like the evil butch, etc. But I've, I've never actually seen it, so it is one I need to watch. Oh, definitely. It is... As you say, the butch representation of George, she's mm. very much seen as as predatory, as controlling, as disgusting. Really, yeah. it's it's a really horrible portrayal, I think. And like her girlfriend's nickname is Childy. Like she's this younger, blonde, very femme character who like basically is a stay at home girlfriend who wears baby doll dresses all the time is very, very, very youthful and it's just a really kind of odd dynamic. The Killing of Sister George was like one of those, one of the first sort of mainstream images of lesbians in British cinema. Mm. Um, And it's just, you're you're never laughing with George despite the fact that she sees herself as funny. Mm. And Charlie thinks that she's funny as well. But as the viewer, you're meant to 
pity her or laugh at her. Yeah, it kind of relates to what we spoke about with the butch. Yeah. Being undermined and, like, misrepresented and Exactly, stuff. and I think that is the key thing here, is it's an undermining of, mm. of the queer woman, of being like, oh, well, you're just an... Either you're a knockoff man, that you're trying to be a man and you're doing a bad job of it, or you're doing a bad job of being a woman. Yeah. You're failing, yeah. basically. Either way, you're failing and you're someone to be ridiculed. Um, yeah. And the film... Not desired. Yeah, and the, and the film presents it as like, oh, well, this is just what we think of lesbians. <laughs> The other, the other example I wanted to give, which is in some ways even wilder, is the character of Rosemary in the 1973 Carry On film, Carry On Girls, uh, mm. directed by Gerald Thomas. Have you ever seen any Carry On films? I've seen, like, clips. I've not seen, like... I don't think I've ever properly sat through one. I've seen some clips of Barbara Windsor. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I... Ultimate babe. They are... But I've not really seen oh, it. Oh, yeah. Like, they are extremely tongue-in-cheek very camp and definitely yeah. not pc by any means like i know a lot of people and they are not like in many ways they're pretty awful like some of the storylines are really kind of <laughs> not great um but yeah. like my mum was brought up on the carry on films and she brought me up on the carry on films and so they are they're that sort of thing that it's like oh god it's it's like watching like reruns of television from the 1970s that's literally what it's like yeah um, but some of it you and some of it you cringe at you cringe at it, but you also laugh like some of it you do yeah. laugh at like barbara windsor like having a bra wing off like that's british comedy mm. <laughs> like it's ridiculous and the um like kenneth williams doing the ooh, like it's very yeah <laughs> I can't believe I just made yeah. that noise, but yes. No, I love it. It's good. Again. It is. I'm not doing it again. When you did it, when you said it, I literally, a visual image of him doing that yeah. came into my mind, like, as you made the noise. Yeah, like, it's it's high camp, but, yeah. like, I don't think I've ever seen this character, Rosemary, in any of the other films that I've seen in the Carry On series, and so she is, so Carry On Girls is basically this seaside town aren't doing very well so they decide to put on a beauty pageant to try and like build up a tourist industry and the one of the local council women who is called oh god what was her name augusta prodworthy so just a little bit yeah a name you don't forget exactly very tongue-in-cheek um she is a feminist and she is like no this is disgusting you're just putting women just down to their looks and to their bodies and her friend dog's body acquaintance rosemary is this like butch feminist Mm. but she doesn't the, the thing that i found so interesting about her is that she doesn't really fit into the caricature of the feminist from the time and there are other like in this film you do see the sort of the stereotypical image of the of the like ugly feminist in the 1970s in this film as other characters burn your bra feminist yeah like burn your bra feminist like um (laughs) not very pretty don't like um don't like dressing feminine don't like wearing makeup um that lesbian for the sake of it (laughs) yeah like that stereotype but rosemary doesn't fit that she's very 
soft butch presenting. She's very tall and almost mm. quite. She's quite foppish. Like she wears like what? Sorry. Very foppish. What's foppish? Fop. Oh, so a fop is. Um, I don't know how to describe this now. <laughs> I like the word foppish. It's. Uh, it sounds really British. It is quite British. It's. Um, <laughs> Kind of linking to camp, it's sort of a effeminate man. Uh huh. It links to sort of if like effeminacy, but yeah, she's still butch. Yeah. So she's very soft butch, but she's. Uh, I hate to say it, but she's really like an ex girlfriend of mine. Oh really? <laughs> yeah. That was the <laughs> one thing that I thought when I saw Rosemary. It was like ah. Oh, She's just like so-and-so, I'm not saying who. <laughs> I'm going to Google her while you're talking. Yeah, just Carry put on. Rosemary from Carry On Girls. Um, okay. And yeah, she's got like, again, she's not got quite the, not quite the the BBC lesbian haircut, but it's short, but it's not super severe. And a key element of her character is, yeah, following Augusta Prodworthy around like a lost puppy. It's very evident that she's in love with this straight woman. Um... And she switches, her character like switches between lusting over the contestants of the beauty pageant and being extremely flustered by them. And the thing that I just found so interesting about her character is that you are meant to laugh at her because she is sort of this really awkward character that doesn't fit in with any of the other women. But while she has definitely not been created with queer women in mind, a lot of the elements of her character are things that queer women joke about. Yeah. Like the joke about like, oh, well, we... Like the whole thing about falling in love with straight women and being useless around women. Um, and yeah, she's just... I don't know. I, I really love her character, but I'm also so aware that she's not she's not meant to be someone that I'm meant to enjoy. Right, yeah. She's kind of like a, a piss take. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She's completely a piss take. Um, There's not even that many obvious photos of her. Was she, she wasn't in many episodes. Was she in Carry On Carry On England? It says here. Oh, I don't know. I'll admit that one I haven't seen. <laughs> she's there's a there's a photo, a photo of like a butch woman and she's kind of dressed in some kind of like chef outfit, but she's got a tie on. She looks quite butch. Probably, probably because yeah. that's the other thing is that she, the other thing with her character is that like if a straight woman tells her to do something and she has a crush on said said straight woman, she will do it no matter how ridiculous <laughs> it is. Won't we all? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, I feel I feel um I sympathize with Rosemary here. Oh my god. <laughs> um shifting to the present a little bit and kind of as I've already started to mention and in previous episodes, there are a lot of BBC lesbians. Um and what I define a BBC lesbian as is the well, a lesbian who works for the BBC and is often a presenter on um sort of different television shows or like has their own comedy series um and since the and they often have like a a, they're sort of soft butch like short hair they're generally not that feminine but they're not super butch either palatable they are palatable yeah the palatable butch middle class butch yeah very like yeah i think the majority (laughs) of them are actually middle class thinking about middle class butch yeah um (laughs) and since the late 90s there have been quite a few comedians popping up yeah, there have been quite a few comedians popping up, getting the audiences to laugh with them instead of at them. Um, a key example that I've already mentioned is Sandy Toxvig. So it's often said that Ellen DeGeneres was the first lesbian to come out in the mainstream media and she acknowledged her sexuality on her show 
through an airport tannoy in the puppy episode of the Ellen show in 1997. But Sandy Toxford came out three years earlier in 1994. Oh, so, yeah. What, on what show? So she didn't do it on a show. She did it in the news. So oh, the newspapers. Okay. Unfortunately, um, I don't I don't know exactly what the situation was with Ellen, but with Sandy Toxford, it was basically because she was getting threats from oh. news reporters saying that they were going to out her. So she just owned it. Yeah, so she took control and she did an article in the, I want to say it was the Telegraph, in the Telegraph where she came out and acknowledged that she had a partner and children with said partner. Um, but yeah, I, I just that. thought that was really interesting that we've gone from having these women who are, these queer women who are being sort of laughed at and being sort of mm. taking the mickey out of to what we have in the present is not even just general queer queer comedy characters, but they are comedians. They start out as comedians. Yeah. Um, and obviously this, I think, will probably link into conversations that we have with Rebecca later, but sort of taking, like literally taking the mic and the power that there is in taking the mic and saying, okay, you're going to listen to me. You're not just going to laugh. You're not going to laugh at me. You're going to laugh with me. Um, the last thing I wanted to quickly say was in terms of non-binary rep representation um an example that i found was the in the web series and then later film carmilla they have the character of lafontaine who is portrayed by caitlin alexander who is also non-binary um so the comedy in this is never about uh lafontaine's gender but more about the character's often oblivious approach to discussing biology and their desire to dissect things uh, so I oh. I really really love Carmilla. I think it's a brilliant. I I I watched it as it was coming out. This is like back in two thousand and twelve, two thousand and thirteen. Is this the vampire one? Yes. I I actually have. It's not normally my thing. But I did actually see it at the BFI Flair two thousand seventeen or eighteen. Yes, because that was the film. Yeah, because I watched. I went and because remember we got um we got kind of passes, didn't we? Yes. Because we're very important people, and um, <laughs> and I was just like binge watching whatever I could. I was like, oh my god, this is such a great opportunity. So I did mm. actually see the Carmilla film, and and I watched the girl, the actress, do a. She was there. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, I hate you. I know, and I'm not even into it. Oh, I hate <laughs> I saw, you. I was like, what's going on? I don't know. What's no, happening. which which one was it? The main girl. The vampire. What, Natasha Negavanlis? Yeah, the vampire girl. The, oh, the, I the hate dark you. Hair. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but I'm like, it's so funny because I can't even appreciate it because I just because at film festivals I just kind of like randomly I'll be like, right, I'm gonna watch everything. I so I wasn't that. even like, and I was like, there's so many people in this screening. What's going on? Like, it was so it was yeah. packed. It was packed it's because, out. Yeah, it's because it has a massive fandom. Yeah, and Which, I was like... Can you tell I'm a fan of? <laughs> yeah, I can. And I'm not really, like, obviously, I'm not really into stuff like that. So I was like, this is random. What's going on? Like, there seems to be... And I did. I could tell that they, like, kind of... That there was people there that seemed to be, like, fans and stuff. I kind of got that mm. vibe. And, yeah, and I just started talking. I was like, wow, what's going on? But, yeah. I just really loosely want to kind of talk about The Favourite, um, which I yes. really like The Favourite. I love so Yorgos Lafamos, the director. I think he's really weird and I love it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I just love, love a style. bit of weird. Yeah, I just love weird, weird films. Um, and really briefly, I guess I can mention it first, actually, because um, it's only brief, in regards to 
people laughing at lesbians rather than with them. Mm-hmm. And also in regards to kind of sexualizing lesbians and not really taking lesbianism for what it is, mm. making a fetish out of it. I just really briefly wanted to mention American Pie 2, where they get the two lesbian couple, the lesbian couple to kiss for them. Do you know what I mean? Have you seen it? Oh, no. I've not G- seen that. Gag. I mentioned it in my disso. Yeah, yes. it's just this scene where you can imagine... Have you ever seen American Pie in general? No, none of it. Well, yeah, you can imagine what it's like. And, um, <laughs> you know, it's all just like college humour. Everyone just wants to like have sex. And it's from like a straight guy's perspective, mm. mainly. And um, there's this scene, it's very brief. And they, they move in. I think they're in college. I don't know, I haven't seen it in ages. And their like, neighbours are lesbians. But they're obviously... Because mm. it's American Pie too. It was made in 2001. They're really, you know, hyper femme, barely wearing, barely, can't talk bloody hell, what happened there? Barely wearing anything, uh, you know, high heels, like those kind of, like, you know, like hyper feminized women and they're together and they basically look like they just stepped out off of a porn set and uh, <laughs> they're, they're a couple anyway. And I can't remember what happens exactly, but the guys in the film are like getting them to kiss for the guys like pleasure and they're doing it, like they're just getting with each other the two women and they're like really enjoying it like showing off to the guys and then they're like you two have to kiss now to the men and I was just like this isn't lesbian like this is like straight women getting off for men aka heterosexual lesbianism and it's all fun (laughs) and it's really funny apparently like it's like a joke I mean it's comedy that's the thing I don't it just doesn't compute in my brain yeah. And I know that, like, there's the whole stereotype of, like, oh, lesbians don't find things funny. It's like, well, yeah, because I don't... Like, why would I find it funny that you're taking the piss out of me? Yeah, like, I think it's about representation as well. Like, if mm. this scene in American Pie was just, like, one thing and there was loads of queer representation out there and, like, actual representation, like that wasn't seen through the male gaze, I think maybe sometimes you'd be able to laugh at it, but because that was, like, one of the only things in Hollywood, yeah. do you know what I mean? It was, like, the only lesbian reference. There wasn't, like, actual lesbian characters, and it's just, like, it just gets a bit annoying. And it's, yeah, uh, yeah I, I mean, I don't know, maybe at the time I laughed, I probably watched it when I was, like, 10, <laughs> which probably shouldn't have. I and, uh, I've never seen it. It's a bit vulgar. For it. Oh, to be fair, though, I haven't seen it since I was so young, so maybe I'd probably have a totally different view on it now. But, um... Yeah, just thought I'd mention that as a comedy thing. But yeah. what I really wanted to talk about just in general was the, is The Favourite. Um, mm-hmm. So as I've said, The Favourite is a 2018 period black comedy directed by Yargos Lafamos, um, who also directed The Lobster, uh, Killing of a Sacred Deer, Alps, uh, I think Dogtooth. He directs yes. really kind of... They're, they're always kind of black comedies, surreal. I haven't actually seen Killing of a Sacred Deer. I've heard it's really... Um, traumatizing so maybe yeah, I'll give it a miss interesting <laughs> I, I've seen the lobster and that kind of although I did find it really funny it also kind of like messed with my mind <laughs> so. oh completely that's a very um yeah it's one of those films that you're laughing but you're also distressed the whole way <laughs> yeah. through yeah you're kind of like having an existential crisis while you're watching it like what's going that's on that's also got um the girl from blue is the warmest color in it yes it has yeah, she's a... Oh, yeah, I remember her character. She's a bit crazy. Um, <laughs> yeah, and obviously he's got Rachel Wise and Olivia mm-hmm. Coleman in The Lobster and they're in The Favourite. So, Favourite oh, really... Yeah. Brief, I forget yeah. that they're. I forget that they're both in The Lobster. Yeah. I'd completely He obviously, he obviously likes that. using the same 
and he also uses is it Colin Farrell in in the Lobster and Killing of a Sacred Deer I think yes um, yeah mm. but um yeah the favorite didn't disturb me I just thought it was funny um so set in 18th century England uh, the film's plot examines relationship between two cousins, Sarah, the Duchess of Marlborough, who is Rachel Wise, and mm-hmm. Abigail, who is Emma Stone, and they're fighting to be the court favourite of Queen Anne, who is the wonderful Olivia Coleman. And um, obviously it's kind of semi-fictional. Uh, obviously these people, well, Duchess of Marlborough and Queen Anne are real. I don't know about Abigail, the cousin. Um, and it's, I mean, it's done really well, obviously, as you know, at the uh, BAFTAs, uh, Golden Globes, etc., Olivia Coleman, I think she won Best Actress uh, in the Golden Globes, or it might be both the best, I don't know, loads of different films. Anyway, yeah. and um, yeah, so it's interesting because it. I saw it in the cinema and it's definitely better. I watched it the other day to kind of recap. I actually preferred it when I watched it in the cinema for some reason. Maybe it's the way that Yorgos Lafamos uses, uh, he's like a fisheye lens, which is yes. really cool on the cinema screen. It looks like amazing. Yeah, I saw it in the cinema as well. Yeah, and it's it didn't, it wasn't as like, um, what's the word? It was like really overwhelming and exciting in the cinema. It wasn't, yeah. I didn't get that same effect watching it on the TV at home. Yeah. But that I might was have been because I've already seen it. I was quite lucky. I got to sit at the BFI, um, oh, at, cool. the London, at the London BFI, yeah, like the London Film Festival, because I was a, um, a volunteer and mm. I got to sneak in just as it was starting and watch it which was brilliant (laughs) yeah no I love it I mean one of the things I really like about it there's I mean there's a number of things I like about it obviously the style I like how it's a film with three female leads who Mm. it's not about them even though they're they're all female and queer in certain ways it's not about them being gay and it's not about them being female it's yeah. about them just being in a cult and you know the yeah. politics and kind of like queen anne's mental state and stuff like that um it's the power dynamics isn't it yeah it's like this power struggle between rachel wise and emma stone um and yeah like them fighting for obviously queen anne's <laughs> attention and it's all status and stuff yeah power status um so that's one of like my favourite things about it, that it doesn't, you know, we see one or two lesbian sex scenes and they're very brief. They're not, um, they're not in your face. They're not explicit. Like they're, they're a bit surreal, obviously, because it's Yargos Lafamos. Um, and I think yeah. there's a scene where Olivia Common has uh, Rachel Wise's like whole fist in her mouth. And <laughs> oh my God, I'd forgotten that. Yeah. <laughs> I think I'd like, like, burned surreal. out of my brain. <laughs> and she's like doing something with her fingers or something. But the way it's filmed is kind of like... It doesn't feel, I mean, for me personally, it doesn't like feel sexy. It just kind of feels like surreal, but that's the whole film. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. And, but I like how there's, um, they never really use the word, they never use the word lesbian. They never no. really, it's not a thing. It's just something that happens that these yeah. women tend to have, like, experience. And I think that's really cool how it's, the, it's not about their lesbian journey. It's just about their relationships in general and, um, yeah. lives. Um, I think this is sorry to go on a tangent, but I think this is it's sixteenth century, isn't it? Is it seventeen? No, sixteenth or seventeenth century. Um, well, it says here eighteenth century. I think it's the seventeen hundreds. Oh. Yes, sorry, I'm getting my my 
century is completely wrong. But this is yeah. my point. <laughs> my point is that this is kind of pre identities. Yes. Like this is like this is before we have I think I've mentioned it previously, the fact that before it was more about sexual acts rather than mm. like you it wasn't that it was a part of you, it was just something that you do. Yeah. And so yeah, yeah. they wouldn't they wouldn't see it as a oh well she's this kind of person because it's no, it's just something that she does. Yeah. And it's almost accepted. Like it's 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 not really an issue in in the film. Mm. mm. And I guess in this, obviously, this kind of stuff went on, and people probably turned a blind eye all the time. Or yeah, she's like, the queen. Depending on the situation, <laughs> she's the queen. She could do what she wants, exactly. Um, <laughs> so yeah, that's really cool, and that's I love that as well. That there's no like issue of identity, and I even feel like you know it's it's really queer anyway because it's that time period where there's the wigs and uh, the makeup, and it's all very what's the word? Foppish. You know <laughs> yeah, yeah, foppish, and and the male characters like Nicholas Holt and stuff—they're all very queer in their own way. And there's the scene where they're all throwing fruit at the naked man, and they're all yes. men just throwing fruit, and it's just—it's <laughs> yes. brilliant. Um, cool. Yeah, I think that's all. All I wanted to say about this, the favorite, other than the line, um, which I think I remember you said you weren't keen on, but I quite like it, where she, the Queen Anne says to um, Sarah Marlborough. Sarah Marlborough's in the, in the favourite. Sarah Marlborough's trying to convince her to get rid of Abigail. Mm. And Queen Anne says, I like it when she puts her tongue in me. Ah! <laughs> See, I quite like it. I think it's funny. <laughs> I like it, but it's also so... It's so visceral. That's the only kind of thing that's really said, though, I think, yeah. that's like kind of really obviously directed yeah, towards explicit. them having sex. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't not like it. The thing I think that I was... I can't. I cannot remember whether it's something that I've included in the episode before or whether I cut it. Um, when I went to see it at the BFI um, for the London Film Festival, mm. when that line was said, everyone around me laughed. But it it was a weird tone, like the like because there was a guy sat in front of me, and I remember him making a comment to the person sat next to him about like about lesbian sex. Oh, really? And it was like, oh, <laughs> you're meant to be laughing with them, but you're laughing at them. Maybe he was like, now I finally know what lesbians do. I've been wanting to know yeah. this whole time. Oh, God. <laughs> I feel sorry for the woman sat next to him then. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> like, I'm so happy that yeah. Olivia Commons told me what lesbians do. <laughs> oh, my God. Hello, this is Sean from the editing room this week. Um, in the next episode, we will be continuing the C for comedy theme, and we have a special guest on the show, Rebecca Shortall. Uh, and Rebecca is a queer comedian and writer, so uh, keep updated on our Instagram uh, to see when this episode will be uploaded. It's uh, it was really really fun to record, and uh, I hope you I hope you enjoyed this episode, and I hope you enjoy that episode. Uh, stay tuned for updates on our Instagram at the Invisible Pod. Thank you for listening. You can find the Invisible on Spotify and other popular streaming platforms. You can follow us on our social media on Instagram and Twitter at the Invisible Pod. The Invisible. Created and hosted by Sarah Wingrove and Sean Williams. Music and effects created and performed by Joe James. Artwork designed by Toby Allen.